welcome to another episode of Gur Cafe. I'm your host, Lainey. Join me and my colleagues, Ollie and Seb, as we discuss varying topics around all things games user research. We've got you covered, whether you're just getting started in Gur, been around for a while, or are simply interested in learning more. We have a lot to talk about, so grab your favorite drink and let's jump right in to today's episode. All right. Hi. <laughs> Welcome. Episode two, Gur Cafe. We have a name now. We're official. Hello, Seb, Ollie. Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining. Hi, Lenny. Hi, Seb. Hello. So I want to jump right in because I'm super excited to resume the conversations we were having last time. So when we wrapped episode one, we were discussing a bit about how important the communication in our research toolkit is and how much good communication skills contribute to this elusive user research mindset that we started defining. So and it turns out, as we were discussing, communication skills might even be more important than the research skills itself. At the end of episode one, Ollie, you had mentioned a bit that kind of gave this quote that I really like. Uh, maybe you remember, maybe you don't, but I went back and listened and wrote it down. So our job is 50% research and 50% communication. So a big part of our job is to help make a product usable, but sometimes we forget to make our product usable for our stakeholders. So I think it's interesting to consider like how finding this right communication equilibrium is this delicate balance of making our research actually usable for our partners by speaking their language and being at the right level of detail for their needs. So kind of trying to find this balance between, okay, we, we've run the research, we've done a good job, we've you know, completed everything with the appropriate levels of rigor that we intend. And now we need to kind of communicate these findings and how do we do this? So I think, I think this is an interesting topic for the three of us specifically to discuss because we have different perspectives and different backgrounds. So our roles have varied quite differently depending on which stakeholders we're talking, we're talking to. So I want to discuss a little bit about, I think we agree communication is important, at least I hope so, because that's the platform of this whole episode. <laughs> uh, so I want to get both of your perspective on why do you think we should place so much emphasis on the communication and communication skills when we're thinking about user researchers and kind of our toolkit? Sure. That's good. <laughs> All your <laughs> Oh yeah, I go first. All right. Uh, yo, so, so thanks for the uh, thanks for the recap. And yeah, I do remember that quote because I repeat it quite uh, a lot. I mean, <laughs> several times a, a year or a month, probably. Um, uh, well, uh, thinking about communication, yes, of course. Uh, speaking, uh, the way that we uh, communicate with our stakeholders is extremely important. Uh, but uh, I'd like to broaden a bit the, the, the topic because communication is not only important for our stakeholders, it's also important for ourselves and how we uh, collaborate uh, within uh, user research teams. Um, I mean, especially game user research, I mean, uh, last time we were talking about uh, how we get there and the different, some of the differences between uh, game user research and other type of user research. <laughs> Um, one specificity here is, uh, I mean, in classical user research, you're more often than not, you're kind of a one-man army uh, doing your research. So you are uh, designing the research, doing the moderation, doing the analysis, the reporting, etc. 
And uh, this is not the case in game user research because games are, uh, let's say, too long to test for a single person. So uh, usually we are a team collaborating to make research happen. And before speaking about the stakeholders, I, I, th I think it's important to speak about how we communicate uh, between ourselves, uh, between researchers, because uh, when you are several people uh, as compared to just a single person, um, I mean, and uh, the way that we are structured with someone kind of leading the research and some other people being on the field and gathering the data, um, it's super important to be clear to have a good communication with the people you're working with because it will directly impact the quality of the data that you are going to gather and the quality of the research that you are going to deliver. And that's super important because uh, the people you're working with, they are not in your mind. So you have to be very clear about what are your objectives, what you want to do, etc., etc. And um, as is often the case with uh, communication, there is uh, kind of a very important thing about uh, making sure that people understand why you're doing what you're doing. I think that this is super important, especially for moderators who are collaborating with uh, lead researchers. Uh, because if you're uh, if you tell them, hey, you're going to ask this question, uh, but they don't know why we're asking the question in the first place, why, how it does contribute to uh, the, the research objectives, then you're basically just uh, making them, uh, you know, robots asking questions and recording whatever participants are going to answer, uh, where uh, if the participant doesn't give the kind of answer that we're actually looking for, if they understand why you are asking the question in the first place, then they are able to improvise and to ask another question that will bring you the data that they want. So this is just an example. Uh, but yeah, I think I, I won't spend too much time on it and I'll also say, let uh, Seb uh, speak about that specific aspect, but I think it's important to, uh, to, to, to keep in mind that, yeah, uh, communication starts within the teams and uh, how we co collaborate together uh, to, to build the research. Now, uh, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Sam. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. And I, I, I would say that um, uh, I really enjoy reminding that UX research is at the interaction, at the intersection between the product, the service that, that we sell, uh, the final user, uh, okay, a player in this context, and the context. Um, and the context is also super important for our relationship uh, within internal client because um, your relationship is, an, is at uh, the intersection between so you, your stakeholder, and his context or her context, uh, which is the budget, uh, the time that is de dedicated for a development uh, cycle, uh, the quality that is expected uh, by the project, um, and also, uh, and something that is um, sometimes hard for a new researcher, is the political aspect uh, in the project. Um, we are researcher and we usually want good quality, but it's not always the case. Uh, it's not always necessary uh, to have super uh, good quality. So the context of the, the internet client for me, it's the starting point for the relationship and it's the starting point for the communication uh, to orient uh, the, the basis of the research, the roadmap and where um, we should uh, put emphasis on. And second point for me is that UX research is still not unmature, but it's still uh, um, uh, um, a topic that is um, not questionable, but uh, uh, growing within company. We are still 
thinking about centralizing the practice, decentralizing? Is it with marketing? Is it with uh, the, the product practice? So it's still unsure really. And there is also this uh, kind of, not mystery, but um, it, it's unclear for our stakeholder. And if it's unclear for our stakeholder, we need to, to, to have a super sharp uh, communication. So I think that's why this 50% is uh, is necessary and at least uh, to perform in our in our job for me at least. yeah no i totally agree i think it's it is important to kind of think about this foundation of how we're communicating kind of within i think we're in a fortunate situation where we we have a large team and we're typically we are able to collaborate with a lot of other individuals internally within our kind of quote unquote research team and the importance of being able to provide that context to the people that we're collaborating with and i think for me it's it's very much in line with if I'm able to communicate internally to give it the context to those of others that I'm collaborating with, whether they be the the boots on the ground. So for us, we have kind of analysts who are leading the research and then we have, you know, they're defining the protocols, they're building out the plan. And then we typically have, you know, these moderators who are really the the, the ones that are interfacing with the users themselves and they need to understand that context like you were both describing they need to be able to understand like what are the objectives why are we doing this thing and your ability to kind of provide that context for these individuals is is very much in line for me at least the same of being able to communicate that to our partners being able to help them understand you know this is this is what the research can bring you this is how the research can help push forward or provide context to the decisions that you're trying to make and kind of taking that step back and being able to really contextualize for all of these different parties right because everybody needs slightly different parts of the of the picture to be able to feel like they're kind of contributing and that that piece kind of fits in so i think it's it's not just like a one stop like, OK, well, you're really good at communicating. You can tell the story. You can tell this narrative. It's also being able to have this really good fundamental understanding of the research to be able to communicate that as well. And so I think, I, uh, yeah, go ahead. I, I was thinking about the stat. Uh, I think it was during the game user research survey uh, summit and there was this survey about the the uh, the profile of the UX researcher and their background. Um, yeah. I think the three quarter or even more uh, of the pool were master master degree or PhD. And when you think about it, uh, you know that there is a certain level of education that sometimes your stakeholder don't have. They don't have this research mindset that is uh, not easy to acquire and to understand uh, from A to Z. Um, so we need to have in mind that our stakeholders uh, don't get easily what's a randomized study and stuff like that, uh, super focus uh, uh, vocabulary that sometimes we use. Um, so we need to th also think about that, uh, that our profile is kind of strange and weird for our stakeholders. <laughs> Yes, this one thousand percent. This. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that 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 brings me to another point that I believe is super important uh, in communication. Is uh, it's something that uh, we naturally do for one thing, but not 
so naturally for other things. It's um, when we do research, uh, one fundamental aspect of it is to be able to put ourselves in the shoes of our players or, or of our audience. You know, this is part of the job. This is how, uh, I mean, when you're doing expert reviews, we, this is what we do, etc. But uh, in fact, in terms of communication, <clears throat> this is exactly what we need to do all the time. So um, whether it be, okay, I'm working with that person on that research. Uh, uh, I'm going to try to see things from their perspective, which will help me understand the kind of information that they need. And same goes with the stakeholders, as you were saying, Seb, you know, they are not researchers. This is not their training and this doesn't have to be because uh, I mean, this is not their job. But what do these people need? I mean, what are they trying to achieve and what is the information that I can give them that is going to help them? Uh, th this is exactly, again, trying to put ourselves in the shoes of uh, our uh, audience and uh, making ourselves, uh, again, usable for people. Uh, we are uh, working with, you know, and uh, yeah, I mean, and that's why, you know, if we uh, go a little more uh, on the stakeholder side, um, for me, uh, with communications uh, with stakeholders, there are two uh, aspects of it. There's understanding what they need and delivering what they need, you know. Um, and it's understanding what they need. Uh, it starts with understanding what the project is, what they are trying to achieve, etc., etc. So uh, the, a good starting point for uh, being uh, good at communication with our stakeholders, I believe, is just communicating with them. I mean, uh, in, in, in a, being curious, you know, uh, being a researcher is a, a job for curious people. So if you are in a project, uh, you can't just be happy with uh, having a meeting, being given objectives and uh, call it a day. You know, uh, you want to know, you want to meet with people, you want to talk to them. Hey, uh, you want to meet with the designer, with the producer, with everyone to try to get a feel on what is going on here and to figure out how you can help them best. That's that's the first uh, step, I believe, uh, in uh, the way we should communicate with our stakeholders. For sure. And this makes me think of a tweet, actually, that Steve Bromley had um, tweeted recently, and I've, I've not stopped thinking about it, and I think it's very related to this, and um, it's user researchers should spend 20% of their time talking to users, 80% of their time talking to colleagues. And then he adds a little context of this addresses common traps such as solving problems the team think they have rather than the ones they really have, doing work that gets promptly ignored and forgotten about, and missing the opportunity to influence important decision-making conversations. So I think I, I think about this one a lot because I think that when I when I go back to my experience when I was an embedded researcher, so I spent three and a half years embedded on a production team, and so this was my day to day was communicating with my stakeholders, really being able to understand what they were doing and being successful in delivering the research. And I think like you were touching on, Ollie, like these two very important aspects of success successful communication of understanding what they need and delivering what they need. And it's just spending a lot of time asking questions, listening, sitting in meetings, trying to understand the intention behind these design decisions and really being kind of just curious, like you said, and being able to 
take that step back and really kind of empathize a bit with the problems that they're trying to address and the decisions that are that they're trying to make. And I think some of the common pitfalls that we typically run into is we we have this like beautiful piece of research that we're very proud of. Like, look at this thing, this beautiful piece of master, the, this masterpiece, right? And you come and you bring it and you kind of drop it on the table and you maybe you have this beautiful PowerPoint, right? And you present your findings and then in a lot of cases, it sometimes feels like that's it. And that's what we're we're constantly trying to combat, right? That's what I'm trying to combat with my team. It's what I tried to combat with when I was on a production. It's what's the next steps? How are we taking this information and we're translating it into something else? How are we ensuring that it's not something that's forgotten about? How do we ensure that our findings are relevant? And it's not just presenting that piece of research. It's actually the three months before then of you being able to really understand the needs, spending that time in the meeting, being able to get the context from what they're trying to achieve and delivering the information that they need when they need it. Not just saying, oh, well, I did this beautiful piece of research. You should care about this because you paid for it. Yes, of course, we want to ensure that they do care for it, but we have to kind of do all of this other additional pieces to ensure that it's there. Yeah, what you want really is to uh, sparkle discussions based on uh, the information that you're bringing to the table. Because again, uh, our goal is not to make decisions instead of people, but it's just to bring valuable information that can help them make the right decisions to the problems that they have to tackle. So uh, if we fail to generate those discussions, uh, yeah, we probably fail at being impactful. And of course, uh, even better when we are indeed part of those discussions, because I mean, uh, it's something to deliver a report, but it's another thing to have really the view of what the user experience is like, which is something I think we discussed a bit last time. You're having this kind of overview of how um, the project evolved from a user experience perspective. So, um, yeah, it's more like just uh, presenting a PowerPoint and uh, say uh, goodbye, see you next time. You know, there's some follow up to be done to be really efficient. And, and if you want, I can give you like my what's my checkup when I arrive uh, in a project and let me know uh, if I forgot something. But let's say I'm new in a project. I would first of all start with the historical exposure to UX research, like uh, basically what's the maturity uh, of my uh, stakeholder in front of me? Um, is there a five year of exposure in UX research or is it the first time uh, which can help you to <laughs> communicate the right way, uh, what is UX research and what are the next step. Then the expectation for me, it's super important to understand uh, what the collab looks like in terms of um, uh, during the product development, uh, what, what moment, what's the frequency, what the quality is expected. Then the level of involvement uh, within the process. Uh, is it uh, during the discovery phase, only at the end, the whole cycle? Um, where do you see UX research and where do you see the impact? Uh, and at the end, the output. Uh, so the format, is it uh, just a PowerPoint? Uh, is it a conference, workshop, one-on-one -on -one press? Uh, um, who should be present there? Uh, uh, who should be who should be convinced, uh, invite, etc., etc. So that that are my four steps. I don't know what's your opinion about that. Uh. <laughs> 
I think there there are good steps, and actually, uh, that that to bring me to ask you a question, Lenny, uh, because you know you have these, uh, as you said, you spent three years and half on the on the production, you know. So, what kind of advice would you give to uh, a junior researcher to uh, to achieve this? Because you know it can be. We know it can be daunting, you know, to end up on a big production floor while there have maybe uh, two, three, four hundred people working on a single game. And uh, you arrive in this wilderness and you say, OK, I need to communicate and uh, I need to understand that project. Where do I start? You know, do you have any tips to share? I do. Uh, yes, I was waiting. I was going to I was just about to ready to ask you both for some some tangible <laughs> tips and you beat me to it. Um, yeah, and I think that it, it goes along kind of with what you were saying, Seb, right? It's this process of really trying to understand what they what they know about user research, what's their exposure, what's been done before. I think that I can speak quite like specifically for my experience on Siege. It's it's a live game. It's been around for a while. Obviously, there'd been a lot of research that had happened before my time. So for me then they you know they had this previous exposure to user research so i i needed to do my due diligence to understand where we'd been i think it's it's important to be able to recognize where what research has been done where the production team has come from what types of decisions have already been made so it's it feels great to come in and feel like you're leaving your mark and you're doing these really ex amazing things but sometimes it's just being curious and taking a step back and listening. Uh, I think that I spent many months just kind of sitting in meetings, trying to understand, trying to understand the way that they they talked about their design, trying to gain information about the terminology that they were using, really trying to understand the intention behind the direction the game was going, why they were trying to do the things that they were doing, and finding a way to be to be curious and inquisitive without being like, well, why are you doing this? Why why is this that? And not trying to point out the things that I felt like were maybe flaws or potential kind of pitfalls that they were running into. It was, you know, can you explain a little bit to me how you expect the player to engage with this? What is what are your expectations? What do you want it to feel like? What do you want it to look like? What do you expect them to be able to do? And just asking these questions. So rather than just running into, I mean, I I think I spent a good few months before I actually ran my own piece of research when I first joined Siege. I was really kind of just shadowing. I was spending those times in the meetings and really just trying to understand the decision making process. Who was making decisions? What did that process look like? What information did they use or need to make those decisions? And that helped me really shape the way in which, okay, you know, for, for me right now, these really long, beautiful PowerPoint presentations, they didn't make sense. We, it, we, I couldn't produce a PowerPoint fast enough to be able for, to get into a meeting with them when a decision needed to be made. I understood where our research was fitting in their sprints and their kind of their timeline. And we catered what we were doing according to that. So we we did, and I think Ollie can attest to this quite a lot. We 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 completely changed the way that we were thinking about doing research because we spent so much time 
you doing user research on who our audience was our 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 stakeholders we we just we did user research with them we were asking them questions what types of things do you expect from us how can we help when can we be there what does that look like for you and we completely changed the way that we documented everything to make it easier for them. We changed the pipeline and the timing about how we were going to deliver things because we couldn't have several days to produce a report. Sometimes we had a couple of hours and we needed to just get something noted somewhere on a confluence or an internal wiki and say top findings here they are. Here's some things that you need to be aware of. And we shaped our language around that. And I think that was something that that made our team very successful, actually, is just really doing the due diligence of doing the user researcher, doing the user research on our audience and really understanding who they were, what they needed and when they needed it and really adapting the way in which we were communicating to ensure that we were allowing them to have the information they needed to make those decisions more confidently. Yeah, that's super interesting because, you know, I think it highlights something that about the fact that communication doesn't just mean speaking to people, but it, can, it means a lot listening to them and listening. I mean, not like listening, especially, uh, I mean, uh, not taking everything for face value, as we said last time, but I mean being uh, mindful about uh, how these people work and how we can uh, adapt to them. So yeah, that's a very interesting uh, approach. You're sharing it uh, here, Lily. And and you know, in in, in some ways, sometimes our job makes me think about uh, the 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 doctor role uh, in terms of. Um, asking questions uh, before g giving any treatment. You ask, okay, what are you doing during the day? Uh, do you smoke? What do you eat? Are you sleeping well? Like checking and making kind of a diagnostic of who's the person in front of you. And and, and this person, the doctor is has great expertise and he's recognized for that. Um, he's kind of a researcher. He has a super technical language. Uh, but when sharing the treatment or sharing the, the, the information with the, the patient, it's it's never in a technical way. He's telling you, ah, oh, you, you are you have that or you have that in a simple way. Uh, you are not challenging, uh, I don't know, the protocol or stuff like that because he he had just the language and he had just everything. I mean, you can disagree sometimes, but uh, most of the time you are like, okay, yeah makes sense and 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 yes i will do what you say and and i think we we kind of struggle sometimes to deliver the right message and as you said to shape the language and our research uh, uh, communication um and, and we should not we should we should be like doctors and having a smooth communication and saying okay here's the pain point and and, and that's it. it's not as complicated as that it's not uh, nothing technical nothing like this and i think we st we still struggle to uh, to have this uh, these skills yeah, that's that's uh, I like a lot the the doctor's <laughs> uh, analogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, really, really. I think yeah, it's uh, it's all about uh, diagnosing things. Um, and and yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, you know, when uh, it makes me think again. Uh, you know, uh, putting yourself in the shoes of you know, we have to change shoes when we are doing a research and when we are talking to the production. Where uh, we are doing the research, we need to speak the player's language. You know. Uh, which is also important because sometimes we are, we are using Intel jargons to refer to game elements that players are not able to understand. So we have to be wary of that because otherwise it's a problem. 
But when we go see our stakeholders with the research results, we need to shift from the player's perspective to the uh, core team or production team's perspective. And uh, yeah, sometimes we fail to do that. We say, hey, okay, the player does this, the player does that, etc. It's it's all well and good, but I mean, what they want to know is, okay, what do I need to do with my game? So we need to shift from that uh, design perspective. And sometimes it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it can be a little difficult. This is why it's so important to have uh, a minimum understanding of what game design is and how that works and what is the vocabulary that goes uh, with uh, game design because otherwise you're going to fail to uh, have your stakeholder understand what you're telling them. This is so, so uh, important in the communication of the results. And I I'm still wondering myself, uh, even being in, in the industry, is, is, UX, is uh, UX research uh, um, a vitamin business? Or is it a, a painkiller business? And honestly, I, I sometimes I'm not sure about that. In my mind, it's still perceived as a vitamin business. It's like should be performed uh, if you want to go well. But sometimes I think it's a painkiller. I don't know. I'm I'm still struggling at defining uh, where we are, and I think our stakeholders too. I love too. this. Sabi's <laughs> yeah, on fire with analogy uh, today. Oh, oh, man. <laughs> Uh, it's a good thing I was muted because I was like cackling there for a minute. <laughs> no, but I, I think it's an interesting, I think it's interesting though, right? I think it's kind of trying to understand the positioning. And I think a lot of that goes from trying to understand, like bridging this gap between, okay, we're this in, impartial kind of group of providing this research and we're kind of, um, really separate from all of these different pieces trying to provide these different insights and i think it's just to me there feels like there's pros and cons right to kind of how things are positioned and where you're kind of fitting on this scale of like the vitamin versus the painkiller it's like what are the needs though right i think that's still what it it kind of depend it still comes down to that for me it's really understanding like where are we at? Because if we're like three years out from launch, we have a very different landscape of how we're approaching things and who we are and whether we're not like what our supplement kind of breakdown and kind of is versus if we're in a post-launch or a live game environment, how do we kind of position ourselves and can we evolve over time? Does it, do we have to just kind of choose I'm, one or is it an evolution? And what kind of advice or what kind of recommendation can we give to our stakeholders as well? Because uh, you're not going to give the same uh, recommendation uh, when you are uh, one month from the ship as uh, if you are three years uh, from, from, from the ship. So you need to adapt. I mean, somehow the findings might be the same, but uh, what the production can actually do with them is going to be very different depending on where uh, you are in the production cycle. So this is also, again, this awareness that we need to to develop about the state of the project, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We need to apply that in, uh, yeah, the way we deliver the research, and especially the way that if we do recommendations, things that we would recommend to not be completely, you know, uh, not aligned with what the project can do, and uh, at, at this specific uh, point in time. Um, since we're talking a, a little about, uh, or 
or the little, but about you know uh, delivering the research to uh, to the stakeholders. I think also an, uh, one point uh, I think is worth highlighting here that's, a, that's quite of a simple tip, but uh, one that uh, sometimes is a bit difficult to apply is uh, you know you are telling about how sometimes you don't have time and you deliver the top findings. You know just the two three things that the production should know, and I believe we should. This is what we should uh, aim for all the time. You know, uh, what are the three, four, five top things that are important or that, has the, that are the most important to the, 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 the topic that we are studying at the moment? Um, I mean, we have this tendency as researcher to uh, believe that because uh, we have many findings to deliver uh, to our stakeholders, we are doing a good job with that. And, uh, yeah, I can see you. Uh, we can't hear you, but I can see you laughing, Lainey. Uh, and yeah, I mean, we we all have that. I mean, it's it's, it's maybe more pronounced with more junior people that uh, they say, okay, I found plenty of things, so I did my job. But on the other side, again, you know, thinking about uh, the people who are going to have to use all this stuff, um, it's not going to help if they have 200 findings and they, at the end of the day, they're here. Okay, so we have all these things that don't work, you know, which first can be a bit scary, uh, although uh, it should not, because maybe most of it is just minor stuff that, to be honest, maybe we should just let go because this is not where the big pain points are. But it can be just overwhelming for the audience to have this massive amount of findings. And uh, at the end of the presentation, it's like, yeah, where do we start? What do we do with that, etc. So. Uh, um, I think, yeah, one way of being impactful uh, in our communication about the result is to really focus on the top things that they should address. I mean, it's better to um, have them address the three most critical things and let all the rest just as it is, rather than delivering a hundred of minor things. And at the end of the day, they're not going to do anything about it. And they're not even going to address the big issues because they don't know where to start. So I think that's also an important point in how we do communicate our uh, research to stakeholders. Yeah, I think this is a huge point that I think, like you were saying, is is challenging for a lot of juniors when they're kind of first coming in. I think this is a conversation I have with my team all the time. It's kind of this okay, so I understand that you gathered all of this data and that you feel like obligated in some way to like thank it for its service of like giving you some information, but like I can't, I don't need a 99 page PowerPoint presentation about this report because we, we need to make decisions and we need to be able to understand and parse that information to be able to have it be usable, right? Going back to the very beginning of ensuring that the information we're delivering is usable and i think it's 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 understanding the context right we've talked about that in a couple of different ways it's where are we at and this difference between the team is able to act on everything or one thing and being able to have enough of an understanding of the game and the, the kind of the landscape of where where they're at and being able to say like this is critical, you know, yeah, there was other issues, uh, you know, not going to lie. There was other things that that happened. However, this is the thing that has the most critical 
negative impact on players for an extended period of time, this is where your investment should go. This is where the decision making process we need to come and we need to think about how are we going to address this thing? Because yeah, it's great to be able to say, you know, we did uh, three days of research or 10 weeks of research. Here's every single thing, but unless you've really captured the entire picture, are they going to be able to differentiate where to begin? Even if we say like, this is critical, this is a must have, this is important or whichever severity scale you choose to use. Um, yeah, I, I agree with the fact that this kind of a concept of, we call it top findings. I think it's, you know, pretty universal of just like, what are the, the primary takeaways? you know, and being able to say, these are the things that you should care about and summarizing that rather than just saying like, here's everything and letting them read the book and create their own story. I'm constantly trying to tell my team, you know, you're, you're telling a story, not reading a book. And what does that look like? And of course we have all of these very definitive findings that we have, but they need to understand the impact and what that looks like. And sometimes you just saying X amount of players did this thing and whether or not that met the the objective of what they thought they were supposed to be doing, the design team doesn't necessarily, are they are not always able to say like, okay, well, why should I care? What does that, what does that mean for me? And what does that mean for our decision-making right now? And when, when we, uh, we have this can, because, uh, yeah, it's not even a book. Sometimes it looks more like a grocery list, uh, to be honest, yes. <laughs> because it doesn't tell a story. Uh, yeah, I think that the, the, the storytelling is part of it, but storytelling comes with good analysis as well, because usually if you, if you have all these uh, multiple uh, tiny findings, uh, probably there's a level of analysis missing here to see, okay, what are what are the bigger things that can explain several of these findings, et cetera. And that's a way to really uh, say, okay, what's, what, what, what is this, you know? And, and since you were talking about, uh, about um, you know, uh, reading a book rather than telling a story, uh, that makes things of another uh, easy communication thing that, that I see a lot and uh, uh, said, maybe you want to talk about it because you nailed the term and I loved it. You know, you are saying that people sometimes they karaoke their slide, you know. So do you want to tell us about that? Because I love the concept. That That's a horrible thing <laughs> when I see that. Yeah, karaoke slide, it's um, the fact that uh, you have everything written in your PowerPoint and you just read everything and everybody's like reading and hearing what is written and but, I mean, you, you get the point. It's a, a horrible meeting and you know it will be a horrible meeting when it started like this. Um, for me, I, I, I mean, my tips and it's one thing that I used to do, it's um, uh, when talking with an internal client or a client, I, I always start with the, the final presentation. Okay, so here are the, here's the final presentation and the, the report will look like this. So there will be this section, this section, and this section. Even before talking about the, the methodology, etc., because in fact nobody cares about your methodology. <laughs> they they should trust you, and I mean you should have a strong protocol. Uh, you should be confident, and you should be aware of all the 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 the, the, the tricks and everything. But um, 
as, as a doctor, you shouldn't be challenged uh, too much on the protocol because if you are challenged too much, it means that you lost the buy-in and you lost the confidence uh, uh, with your internal client. So it doesn't smell good <laughs> when you are challenged uh, with your uh, with your protocol. Um, so yeah, uh, for me, executive um, an executive slide and and an executive you should start having an executive report because your research should be sent to top management and should be um, read uh, as simple as it is. Um, it should be super clear what are the impact for your product, the services, what should be the next step, um, and you shouldn't go into super details. Uh, maybe it could be discussed with the design team, and it's something hard in our um, in our job because we are talking with uh, operation people, designer, developer, graphic designer, a lot of role like this. But we also have to convince top management that uh, pay the bill basically. So then they also need to to be uh, um, involved in the communication, and they also themselves need to to sell uh, to their manager and their boss what is happening on the floor. So it's tricky. Yeah, that's interesting because that's yet another uh, level of communication or uh, how you communicate your findings is not going to be the same to your, uh, let's say, uh, maybe more direct stakeholders who are the production uh, people and then to the higher management who also need to have a view on what's going on on their game. So again, uh, a matter of uh, yeah, what is the level of granularity? What is the message that you want to pass? Is always something. I mean, that's a, that's a, an advice we could give for any uh, presentation that people are doing. To be honest, you know, is uh, what's your message? Uh, what's the story that you want to tell? Yeah, and um, and yeah, and back to the karaoke slide. You know, yeah, right. I mean, reading slides, but no, no one wants to go in a presentation like that. You know, it's like, yeah, I'm just losing an hour. Just send me the PowerPoint, and I read it myself. You know, so even if it's written, I mean, I understand that sometimes we have a tendency to uh, write maybe a little too much because we want people to be able to understand what was written on the in the slide deck if we're not presenting it. But uh, even doing that, I mean. I mean, we should know our findings well enough that we don't need to read them and that we are able to face our audience and just tell what happened and uh, tell a story and maybe uh, uh, throw in an anecdote with a player that is going to make the thing more lively and more convincing. Mm -hmm. Because again, you know, it's like, uh, I, I mean, politics understood that, you know, it's not so much about the program, it's about the way that you sell it. And uh, there's something like that as well when uh, you, 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 you present some research, you know, you have to somehow make it, I won't say entertaining, because sometimes the good are, uh, the, the news are not so good, so you won't entertain people, but at least to make it lively and interesting for uh, your audience is also, uh, I mean, take some kind of, I, I, I barely dare to say showmanship, but that certainly helps if you, uh, if you can do a bit of that. I think it also goes back to when when you have a clear understanding of the objectives and the goals of the team and what their needs are, you're able to much more clearly present that in the end. So it's this whole kind of like coming full picture as we're kind of coming to a close here. It's like really being able to, and I try to explain this to my team all the time, is that you should be spending significantly more time in prep than you are at the end. Because if you've done everything right at the beginning, so you've gone, you've met with the stakeholders, you've gone to those needs gathering meetings, you've spent the time to really investigate 
where they're at, what they need, why they need it, when they need it. All of this process should go a lot more smoothly because you're able to get to the very end and say very definitively, this is the key shit that you should care about. And you don't have to read through your full report. You're able to really pull out the main key pieces of information and say, hey, I got all of the questions answered that you needed. However, based on where I know you're at right now, here's the executive summary. Here's those key pieces. And so it's being able to kind of put all of these pieces together when we're thinking about communication. It's that it's not just because if you're getting into a report and kind of being able like reading through everything and you're feeling not confident about how they're going to perceive it or how they're going to feel about it, then you probably missed some steps along the way. And so going through and really putting in the due diligence of getting those needs, sitting with them, really being able to spend that time to reflect then there shouldn't be surprises as far as what they're going to care about when you get to that final meeting. And so you're not just reading it feeling like, oh, well, you should care about all of it because that's not always going to be the reality. So I'm wondering final pieces of like advice that you all want to give on kind of how we can be better communicators uh, with our with our stakeholders or our collaborators or whichever. Go first, Seb. Uh, I would say do your, as you, as you mentioned, do your own uh, user research uh, um, with your internal client. Know your client, who it is, uh, what, what's, what's the past, um, what's the exposure, the maturity, and everything. And if you can answer all of these questions, um, you will have a clear communication uh, and you will adjust the level of. Uh, technicality that you want to bring into the table, the the the, the inside I want to bring. So know your client and everything should go well. Yeah, that's a good piece of advice. I mean, uh, only thing I can uh, just to, uh, it's not like a, something new as compared to Seb was saying, but uh, I'll just insist, you know, put yourself in the shoes of the people that you're talking to, you know, uh, that we are trained to do that with our players. Let's just do that with everyone that we are working with. I mean, that's I think that's a communication thing that can work for any job, uh, really. And maybe a very concrete piece of advice for uh, more junior people: uh, rehearse your presentation if you're not used to doing that, and if you are uh, the kind of people that read their slide try to rehearse them, especially if uh, you're presenting in a language that is not your first language. A rehearsal really, really does help. I did that when I was a junior because my managers made me do that and it was immensely helpful in developing my presentation skills. Yeah, I think that's, I think those are both really huge. I think it's just, it's really recognizing for me, the biggest piece of advice is just recognizing the importance of really doing that investigation, that research from start to finish, right? Your user, as a user researcher, your user research tasks never end. It's just what users are you trying to get the information from? So that same kind of inquiry, if I'm sitting in an interview trying to get information from a player about why they're doing this thing or what's happening here, it's the same process applies when you're trying to go through that and do that with your stakeholders. So if you have, if you feel confident in the process of sitting and getting that information from a player, 
it's not any different. You don't have to think about it as anything differently. And that should help kind of reduce the stress and anxiety when you have to go into the, some of these meetings. So, um, yeah, and I think just really recognizing the importance of just sitting and listening and really being able to understand those needs. So I'm going to I'm going to stop us here because I think that we're, we're running a bit out of time for today, but thank you so much. I think it's really I think communication is something that's so pivotal to our role and something that is kind of not that it's forgotten, but I think it's it's interesting to kind of reflect upon how all these different variables kind of kind of come together. So. Thank you to you both so much for the interesting conversation. I'm sure we're going to have. <laughs> I'm sure we're going to have many more conversations about uh, the importance of communication and how it fits into this UR mindset, uh, that this concept that we'll we'll get to, I'm sure, soon. So thank you all so much for for joining and for listening and supporting this podcast. I think we're we're still kind of in the early days, but it means a lot to get a lot of love from the community. So thank you so much for for joining us. Let us know if there's topics that you'd like to see us uh, discuss. Um, we're we're available on YouTube. We're on all of your favorite podcast channels. <laughs> Seb says we're looking for sponsorships. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you all so much uh, for joining us, and we will see you again very soon.